0: Well, today we're going to talk about faith. And so, Nathan, you, you can pay attention for your black belt we're talking about. Um, but there's a, there's a way that faith works, and there's a way that it doesn't work. Amen. There's a way faith works. God wants our faith to work. Not, it's not a theory. It's not a philosophy. It's not like some prescription where you just pop it in your mouth and hope it does better. This is the Word of God. And if we, if we understand it and we put it in our lives effectively, it will work for you. It will work for you. So it isn't, when we talk about tithing or giving or any topic in the Bible, if you do things God's way, it will work for you. Listen to people that are older than you that have done it. If you haven't tried it yet, if you haven't stepped out into some of these things, I'm telling you, God's word will work for you. Amen? So today I want to talk to you about faith as a seed. Faith as a seed. Everything we receive from God, everything we pray about and think about, it's, we receive faith in a seed form. Is this loud to you guys? Oh, it seems really loud to me. Maybe my ears are being blessed right now or something. <laughs> so anyway, praise God. So, uh, okay, uh, everything we, we pray for and we, we go after God, we receive in seed form. Whether it's when you first get saved or whatever, you receive a seed form. And, you know, I don't, I don't really have a, a green thumb. Holly definitely doesn't either. We, uh, we're a matching set when it comes to uh, with plants and stuff. I've been killing plants since I was a little kid. <laughs> Uh, even, I remember when I was real little, my, uh, at my grandmother's house, she loved plants, and she had all these nice flower beds and stuff, and Robin and I were just rascals, according to them, and uh, <laughs> we had a lot of different nicknames that were similar to that, and uh, we were at my grandmother's house, and she's, she had 11 children, so she knew how to use a switch, and uh, she, she goes, have you in my roses one more time? Boy, well, I'm going to tan your heart, and I was like, so we're playing, we're not thinking about where we're running, we're just running free and running crazy and stupid, and we Later, ran right through those things. And she came out, and my mother sometimes would get me to cut. This is my mother's mother I'm talking about, My mother would get me to cut a twitch sometime, like a, a stick, and get your own. And, and then that's what she's going to whip you with. And I didn't know do I pick a fat one or do I pick a skinny one? But my grandmother, being older and old school, she didn't pick a switch. She picked an extension cord. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd never been whipped by extension cord before. And that was the only time she ever spanked me. She didn't ask mom or dad's permission either. She just went to whooping. <laughs> And uh, I mean, I swear there was still electric current in that thing when she was like. Oh I mean, it, it was like she was like, "Whoa!" I remembered after that though. I never grew those flowers again. I never even smelled them again. I stayed away, I stayed away from those things. But uh, I mean, she was pretty serious with her plants. And you know, when Holly and I were first married, uh, we had received uh, from her cousin. We received this uh, this unkillable plant. That's what he told us. He he, he uh, had his. Was he, did he own that company or? Worked at a nursery, gave us this unkillable plant. I don't remember if you remember what it's even called. And a package of seeds. I guess the seeds were a backup plant, I'm not sure, but... Well, we we killed that plant. We did; it, it died. It was unkillable. But we killed it, and uh, we gave it water. We did all this stuff, but we killed it. We had our neighbor even put mayonnaise on the leaves sometimes. I don't know why he did that. It I don't it, it killed it. It died. So we planted some seeds, and so I had seeds in these little these three little planters about the size of like coffee cups and little uh, tray underneath of it, matching set we got for a wedding gift. And I'm like, well, I'm going to try to plant those seeds. So I put some seeds in those three little things, and. Uh, I, this is before I was able to work in the States. I was in, living in the States, but I wasn't allowed to work yet to get my work permit. So I had a lot of time on my hand. And I was really close to the Lord at that time. I had to spend a lot of hours with Him because I didn't know anybody in New York. And I uh, wasn't working, and we didn't have a TV. I, I, I didn't want to bring a TV because I wanted to spend more time with God. But after a couple of weeks, I was missing my TV. But <laughs> was, there was a lot of hours in a day to fill. Anyway, so I'm I'm speaking to these seeds in this on this thing. I'm speaking to them. You grow in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name. I'm speaking to them. I'm watering them and doing all these things. And Holly noticed me doing that, and I do it different times throughout the day. And then uh, after a while, I was able to get my work permit, able to start my job. And I came home from work one day, and... Uh, she goes, you got to see your plant you've been speaking to. you got to come see it. It grew three or four inches today. I'm like, come on, no way. And I got my face just like, like, oh, let's go see it. I run into our little apartment that you could open the fridge door while you're sitting at the kitchen table. And uh, we ran into our little apartment and looked at it. Like, and it was like this tall. like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. My faith worked. This is great. And she goes, do you know what kind of plant that is? I said, I have no idea. I'm just glad that it worked. Praise God. And I spoke to it, and it grew. And uh, she goes, well, actually, that's a weed. I'm like, a weed? How'd there get weeds in there? And uh, she goes, well, while you're at work today, I went outside, I plucked one out of the ground, I planted it in the planter. So, so when you come home, it'll trick tricky, and they're like, oh, she got me good on that one. I told you. It was funny. I was definitely disappointed, and I was shocked. I was like, oh, she got me. And so, uh, so anyway, we got some other seeds. I tried, tried it again. And I don't know if we just don't know how to buy seeds. I mean, usually in a package, it's, it's pretty much a, a done deal, but it happened again on me another time. So I planted some more seeds, put them in those planters, started speaking over them, they started growing a little bit, speaking to them. And then by the time it was Holly's time for graduation came, uh, there was, it was probably a couple inches up, two or three inches up. And uh, I was like, yeah, this one's growing, no weed this time, it's going good. And I remember it was graduation day, and your grandmother was was there for graduation. And uh, I went over to her, look at this plant I grew. And I was like, what kind is this? I threw away the packaging. I can't even remember what the seeds were called anymore. And she goes, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. What what kind of thing is this? She goes, it's a weed. I'm like, a weed? I mean, I've been speaking this thing again, watering it and speaking it. It's a weed. She goes, she thought I was joking, but I was totally serious. So after that, I haven't touched one since. That was probably 96 or '7 something like that. But... Um, the weeds they'll they'll grow anywhere you know they will grow right through pavement they'll grow all over the place so um we our faith needs to be like a a seed and jesus taught a lesson in matthew 17 about faith like a seed okay so we're gonna look at that we'll have that on the screen for you i believe starting with matthew 17 faith is a seed it said when they came to the crowd a man came to Jesus." Falling on his knees before him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and suffers terribly. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus said, Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him. The spirit and the demon came out of him, and the boy was healed. At that, uh, healed at once. This young boy had suffered possibly from birth for a very long time. He had often fell into the water to drown him. Often fell into fire that would burn him. He probably would have burn marks all over his body. And here, this father was. He came. He was trying to find Jesus. Couldn't find Jesus. He found the next best thing. He found nine of his disciples. Three of them, if you remember, were up the mountain of transfiguration with Jesus. And they, they uh, were up there praying. And when they came down, they saw, according to Mark's version of the story, they came down, they saw uh, Pharisees arguing with the disciples over what, something that just happened. And so Jesus comes up and says, hey, what's going on? And his father comes up to him, and he tells him how all nine of your disciples prayed for my son, but he didn't get better. And then he basically says later, he says, if you can do something, you remember that part? And Jesus' is like, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? He said, if you can believe, then don't put this on me, put it on you. All right? He said, if you can believe, all things are possible. But Jesus tells them after, after he tells this sad story about his son, and it is sad, it's a horrible story. He called, verse 17 says, Jesus answered, said, You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. So when you're praying and you're talking to Jesus sometime and you you hear him say something like that, (laughs) how would that affect you? Uh, It's not not always, he doesn't always say just flowery, nice things. Do you know your parents love you and they don't always say flowery, nice things. Sometimes they have to use correction like my grandma did. And so I remembered after that. You know what? I never, like I said, never in those flowers. But Jesus was correcting them. It says, now I want you to think about this. Who was Jesus talking to when he said this? He called them uh, unbelieving and perverse generation. Who was he talking to? Now, the, the father was the one talking to him at that moment. But was he saying that just to the father? Was he saying it to his nine disciples or to all 12? Or was he saying it to everyone? I mean, honestly, I think he was saying it to everyone because he said, you unbelieving and perverse generation.'" Not you unbelieving, perverse disciples or father or family or whatever. He said generation. I believe he's talking to all of them. He said, and called them unbelieving and perverse. So I wanted to see, well, what did Jesus actually call them? Because I, I don't remember Jesus ever calling me names that I can remember. And this, this sounds like a pretty strong rebuke, don't you guys think? So unbelieving uh, and perverse. Unbelieving here means unfaithful, faithless, or not to be trusted. Incredible, which means without credit or or credibility, and without trust in God. And the word perverse, the word perverse, we hear the word perverse or perverted nowadays. We automatically think of sexual perversion and dirty jokes. Some guy telling you, that's perverted. Stop talking like that. Or this show is perverted or something. But Jesus used this word talking to the disciples and these people. And they weren't sitting around telling dirty jokes. They weren't watching something bad on TV or on the internet. They were actually praying for a father's son to be delivered from a demon and they didn't get the job done and he called them unbelieving and perverted. Okay? So let's look at what this word means. It means, the word perverse means to distort, to turn aside from the right path, to pervert or to corrupt, to oppose, to plot against the saving purposes and plans of God. Wow. Wow. To plot against the saving purposes and plans of God. So Jesus, in a nutshell, called them unfaithful, unbelieving, without trust in God. Uh, and then he goes on to call them corrupt, perverted, distorted, and they are plotting against the saving purposes and plans of God. Um, to water this down, to make it sound like Jesus was not upset, I don't think would be accurate. He was upset because something that they did here was perverted. Perverted. They weren't looking at porn, they weren't looking at something bad, but something that they did was not representing the true nature of God, and what, what, they, what, they, were, what they did was perverted. It was, and from God's perspective, from Jesus' perspective, it was perverse. Now, if God said that to me or to you, and many people are like, "Wow." And' like, "Wow, uh, I'm offended. I'm not going to that church anymore. <laughs> I'm not going on that guy anymore. He's too mean. He's too harsh. He's too rough. But guess what? They asked him. They asked him later why, and he he told them. So uh, now I want to ask you this. What did Jesus, what did they, what did the people do or say that caused such a reaction from Jesus? What was it about that situation and how they handled that situation that caused Jesus to call them corrupt, distorted, and perverse, or they're plotting against the things of God? What was going on? What was perverted here? And uh, we need to recognize that they weren't again not telling jokes, but they were they were doing something that was anti God. I want to show you the definition from the dictionary. I don't know what dictionary is the one that comes on your MacBook, so I, it just says dictionary, so I don't know which one it is. But uh, the dictionary says a perverted to alter something from its original course, meaning or state to a distortion of corruption of what was first intended. I'll read to you again. Uh, perverted, to alter something from its original course, meaning, or state to a distortion or corruption of what was first intended. There was something distorted. There was something corrupted that was perverted about that situation with that boy. And Jesus saw that boy. He had compassion on that boy and the father, and he was stirred in his, his faith. He was stirred in his emotions. He was stirred because he knew that is not how my father created that boy to be. That is not the original plan and design for that boy's life, to fall into the fire, to fall into water, to try to drown him, kill him, destroy his life. That's the devil. He knew it was the devil. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It was the devil. It wasn't the will of God. It wasn't the, uh, the sovereign will of God or anything like that. It was a devil. And when they all took turns praying, one after another after another, all nine of them, and they couldn't get the job done, Jesus was ticked off because they misrepresented the Father heart of God. They didn't get the job done. Now my question to you is, if they had the ability to get the job done, if they didn't have the ability, I should say, to get the job done, why would Jesus be upset? You think he would know if his disciples had the ability to take care of that spirit or not, right? He should know that. Well, I want you to remember here too, remember this part, that this boy wasn't physically sick. This boy had a demon, okay? You okay? Because people here in the mountains do too. People do, not, not just in California or New York or some other state we think is different than us or whatever. There's people all through the mountains, all through the area, and they are they are not at God's original plan and design for their life. And when we look at their life and we pray for their life and we walk off and don't fight the good fight of faith, we don't stand there in the gap and, and intercede for them, we are falling into the perverted Earthly system of this world and not the kingdom mindset of God. If Jesus was upset with the disciples then, and he called them uh, unbelieving and perverse generation, do you think he'd had the same thing to say to us today? I'm saying, uh, absolutely yes, guilty. We're guilty. We are unbelieving and perverted, from God's perspective. But that can change, amen. That can change. And how it's going to change is we take faith as a seed. Hey, the disciples later come to him and ask him about that That mountain over there to go here and there and it would obey you. So if this is what he's saying, what is he really saying, but your faith must be smaller than that because you couldn't get the job done. Your faith must be really really puny. Is that what he was saying? That is not what he was saying. I know what translations look like that's what he was saying, but you know, that teaching, understanding what he meant here is pivotal to your faith, pivotal to your believing because you think if disciples spent all of that time with Jesus and they still had this puny, tiny, smaller than a mustard seed type of faith and they couldn't get the job done, how am I going to ever get the job done? That's not what it says. In the original translations, you can look it up in an interlinear Bible. The word size is never even, in any, in any manuscript, the word size is never even there. The, the guy, the way he understood it, he understood it that way, so they added the word size, trying to help the meaning of it. But it wasn't even there. So it wasn't talking about the size. It was talking about something else. So I want to show you this. Um, if you've, Jesus actually said, if you have faith like a mustard seed like the seed, not the size of the seed. Poppy seeds are like half the size of mustard seeds. He was trying to think of something small. He could have said a a, a poppy seed. But it's faith like a mustard seed. So Jesus' answer didn't have anything to do with the size of their faith. or uh, If he didn't have anything to do with the size of faith, what was he actually telling them? Okay. So the New American Standard Version says, which we just read, says they couldn't help the boy because of their meager faith. And the New King James says, because of their unbelief. This word for unbelief this is the only time it's used in Scripture. And it means, it means, let me find what it means. It means, okay, littleness of faith, little faith, or trusting too little. Again, sounds like East your faith being too small, okay? But once you get the full meaning of it, it will make more sense. The word unbelief comes from the root word oligos, and it means puny or small, but the context of, it, of the word is, it is punious or small, but it's not referring to the size of the seed. It's, uh, it's referring to the duration of the faith, the, the time of the faith, the duration. The, the King James Version in, the, in his study notes uses the word brief. Your faith was too brief. You prayed for a moment for this boy to get healed. It didn't work. Like, I guess it didn't work. Next, who's up next? Judas, you're up. Mm, Didn't work. Next. Nine after, one after another after another. Their faith was too brief. They didn't leave that seed of faith in the ground long enough to let it germinate and do something. They gave up too quick. They, uh, They accepted the perversion without a strong enough fight. They effected this plan that was against the plans and purposes of God without a real good fight. And that's why Jesus was upset. You did not fight like I told you. You did not fight how I trained you. The will of God is for that boy to be healed, set free, and delivered. I gave you authority over every single demon that exists, and you you need to pray and stand there and pray and believe God until you see it's moved. And guys, you know what? The same is true today. We give up. Way too easy. We live in this fast food, McDonald's type generation where have it your way and if you don't have it quick enough, we just cave in and quit. And there's a fight to our faith that needs to be fought and you're never going to learn the endurance of the word and endurance of faith until you walk through those fights, those valleys, the shadow of death. You walk through it and you see you're not walking alone and God's with you. But you're going to have to speak what he says and not just, I'm terrified. I'm this, I'm that, or whatever, okay? So... Do you know there were times where Jesus spoke to things, and it didn't happen instantly? Okay? It sounds like blasphemy, doesn't it? I know it does, but I'm going to show you proof, okay? Even verse 18, which we read, says, Then Jesus rebuked him, and a demon came out of him, and the boy was healed at once. But if you read it, that, it literally says, from that hour. So it was really quick, but it was within an hour or, or less, Okay? the story of the, uh, the demonized man that lived in the graveyard in the, in the uh, Gadarenes in Mark 5. Listen, to this it says, And always at night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. That's verse 5. Here's this man. He, they bound him in chains and his demon spirit was so strong that he could break the chains. And he's, he's in there, he's living in the graveyard. He's by himself, he's howling at the moon or who knows what, and he's cutting himself with stones. When you see somebody cutting themselves with something, I'm telling you, it's an inspiration of the demonic power, demonic realm. The Holy Spirit of God will never influence you to cut yourself. Okay? It doesn't mean you're going to hell, it doesn't mean you're demon-possessed like this guy was, but you got, you're under the influence of something that's not of God. You don't need to cut yourself, Amen. If you do it by accident, that's another story. But right? oops, cut, like I did. So anyway, so um, this there's plenty of people, guys, here in the mountains where we live, and they're 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 like this guy. They may not be demonized, where they can break chains and stuff, or howling at the moon, but they're they're tormented, and they're crying out night and day. They've gone to church. They've gone to this church and that church. They've gone to half the churches in the county, maybe. They've tried everything they know to try, and they are still inflicted they are still under the influence of a demonic spirit or something and they're calling out and they're crying out for help and guess what jesus christ is not going to come down here and do the work he asked us to do he said you heal the sick you raise the dead you cast out demons freely you have received freely give that is our mandate as the church of god to do it is not a denominational thing it's gospel thing and there's people in the mountains that need to be delivered, then we need to be the ones to help them be delivered. Whether it makes us uncomfortable, or our skin crawls, or like, oh my gosh, I didn't sign up for this. And I've had all those feelings. I, want, I remember telling God one day, I did not sign up for this. Like, I'm, I am cool with uh, praying for people and them getting healed. That's totally cool. When they start manifesting manifest demons, mm, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like it. And I still don't like it, you know what? But, because, but in a way I do, in this, in this sense. Because once the manifestation happens, once you spot him, you got him. And the person gets delivered and sent free. Like the girl in Uganda that was trying to punch me when, when she fell down. And I prayed for her, and John was holding her arm, she wouldn't punch me. And uh, she had a demon. The demon came out of her, and she let this big sigh, she goes, ah. And then she says, something left me. Guys, I'm telling you, that moment changed that. David Mark was there. That moment changed that 21-year-old girl's life forever. And you know what? That's your mandate. Some of you wonder what you're called to do, what you're called by God to do. You're called to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. That's right. If Jesus was here right now, guess what he would be doing? He doesn't have this seeker-sensitive ministry going on, okay? Jesus was never seeker-sensitive. He never tried to get the biggest crowd to follow him. They just followed him. He just led, they followed him. He, he would even he say things that church planners would tell you. You don't, don't say that, no one will ever come to your church, right? <laughs> you don't tell them to drink your blood and eat your flesh. I mean, a lot of people left that day, and you know what? He didn't care. His father told him to say it. So he said it. Guys, how can we call him Lord, Lord, and don't do the things he asked us to do? Will you be uncomfortable sometimes? Yes, but you'll also have those moments where you're at someone's house and and they don't know who else to call and they're having some crazy thing going on at home and they call you up and guess what? You're anointed for the appointment and you step in that place and the anointing of God comes on you and you command that spirit and it obey you if you keep your faith seed in the ground and don't give up and quit because it has to obey you. It has to obey you because God's in you. There is no other thing. There is no other option. It must obey you. Amen. Amen. I could shut right there, but I'm not done yet. <laughs> it has to obey you. So there's people here. Uh, I know sometimes when you get busy, I, I've felt busy times when you guys have to. I'm like, oh, it just feels like more work to do. And God says to me, it's not more work. It's more love. And you know what? That's what we really need. It's not another project, another whatever. We need more love from God to be manifest in our hearts that I give a crap, excuse me, that you're demonized or you're going through junk. That I can shut off my TV, my comfy couch, and my chair, and my bed, and my comfy pillows, and all my other comforty things that I buy to make myself comfortable when the guy down the road is demonized, tormented, mentally, physically, can't sleep, having nightmares, this wasn't totally what my sermon was about, but hey, I'm just gonna go <laughs> anyway. Um, and we have the power of God in these earthen vessels to do something about it, and we do nothing. Then, what do you call that? What do you? Call, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. Or I mean, challenged? Yes. Bad? No. I feel challenged. I mean, I don't know where they all are, and, and like like I said, I don't always enjoy deliverance, but it's not about me. It's not about what I enjoy. That's the, that whole culture is perverted, our way of thinking. Uh, of It's about what we enjoy. It's a fight, guys. We don't always enjoy fights, okay, unless you win. And you're not going to win unless you fight. And You're not going fight, keep, to fight, keep winning unless you fight for a long time sometimes. And keep punching and keep punching and keep punching until you win. All right, that's what we're called to do. We're going to be here. Unless you die, you're going to be here for a long time. And you might as well fight or just give up and quit, right? So if we're going to be here, let's fight as a family and believe God for our community first. We see our community shift. Let's believe God for our state. And then after we see that change, let's, let's believe God for our country. We see that change. Let's believe God for North America. Let's believe God for other continents or whatever. We have to have our faith working, doing something, not just like, oh, well, I guess God's going to have to fix this. And, you know, there are things God's going to do, but there's a set time for a lot of those things. But in the meantime... He has given us assignments that we're called to do. Co-labor with Him, doing these things. So, uh, now is the season. Now is not the season to have brief faith, to have quitting faith, but to have persistent faith. Amen. Guys, there's people going to come out. We're in the season right now of growth. There's a season of kingdom growth happening right now. It's happening right now. Right now. Kingdom growth right now. And we're in this season. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's like hiding go seek, ready or not, here I come. And like, it's, you have to be ready for what's coming. And God wants to use you to help people. You say, well, well, Pastor, I got flaws too. Yep, so do I. Well, I got my own issues too. Yep, so do I. Uh, you say, well, I might have demons myself. Yeah, you might. And you, one way to find out, you start casting out demons, you have you manifest. Guess what? Then you get free too. Double blessing. <laughs> but we're so concerned about what it's going to look like. What's going to look like? What will so-and-so think? Oh, my gosh, I had a demon. Well, guess what? It was pretty common in the Bible. Oh, man, I'm preaching good, but uh, I don't know if everyone likes it. <laughs> but I don't think everyone likes Jesus' sermons either, so I'm in good company, I guess. Verse 6, when he saw Jesus from afar, this is going back to the man in the garden, uh, uh, Gadarenes, I mean. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. He cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he, had, for he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. So when did he say, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit? He said it before then, right? He said it, but he had already said it. And I'll show you it again in another verse, but he, Jesus already said it, and the Spirit didn't instantly obey. He started having this dialogue with him. Uh, don't torment me, or where can we go? Can we go to those pigs? What, what are we doing here? And he yeah, had this dialogue, what's your name? And this whole dialogue is going on. Jesus had already commanded the spirit to obey. The, 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 the dialogue wasn't if it was going to obey, it was how it was going to obey. And when you're thinking, when you're praying for somebody and you're helping them, you can think the same thing. It's not thinking about how, or if it's going to obey, it might be thinking, how? How do you want it to obey? Okay? Uh, let me show you this another version, just to show you Luke's version, Luke eight twenty nine. For he had already commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. And it's the same story. He would already commanded it, but then there was this dialogue going on. Just because you don't see an instantaneous thing, that exact second, whether it's deliverance or healing, doesn't mean your faith seed is not working. Doesn't mean your, the word you said isn't working. It is working. Treat your faith, your words, like a seed and give it time to grow. It will obey you. And just rest in God. It's like, huh, well, God's got the rest. I already said it. I said it. How hard is it to say it? It makes it it's sometimes hard, but it's, it takes time sometimes to believe it. So he gave this command: "All right, you can go to the pigs." They go to the pigs. Instantly, they kill them all. Those two those two thousand pigs were killed in a moment from this very spirits that lived inside of one man for who knows how long, where no one could be around him, no one could whatever, and Jesus set him free in a moment. In a moment, whether it was in the hour. If it was five minutes, ten minutes, we don't know. But he gave the command, and it obeyed in in a, in a brief time. Okay? Guys, this is how we use our faith. We treat faith like a seed. Not the size of the seed, but like a mustard seed. And the thing that's special about a mustard seed in Israel is that and it's, it's from the weed family, and they grow anywhere. You could have them on the rocks; they'll grow up through the rocks. You could have them around these big boulders; they'll push and push and push up around the rocks or or move the rock. They'll they'll grow in a tree. They'll grow through brick walls. They'll grow through pavement. They'll grow through anything, and they just push and push and push and push and push till they break through into from that thing and, and into sunlight, and they grow. You've all picked weeds out of your probably your driveway or out of your brick wall or out of something. They'll grow anywhere, and that is what Jesus wants your faith to be like. That your faith will work. Your faith will grow anywhere. You might feel like you're up against a brick wall. You might feel like this heavy things on you, and it won't move. You keep pushing, you keep pushing, you keep pushing like faith like a seed, and that thing will move. It must obey you. Your faith will work. And it's a perversion to believe anything different. Because the original plan of God, the purpose of God, was for man to be well. To be well. But there's a fight to our faith, and we need to fight it. Amen? So I want to challenge you guys today to treat your faith like a seed. Sow that seed in the ground. Speak. Your your heart is a soil. The seed is the Word of God. And what you speak out of your mouth is the seeds that you're actually planting. So that parable the sower comes in here. You can see how that fits. But what you speak, what you say, you're, you're sowing that seed. You might be speaking to a weed. But you're speaking, to the, speaking the Word of God, you're going to sow in seeds of the Word of God. You're going to see godly results. Don't think because it didn't work instantly that it didn't work. It's like that uh, sermon I shared a few weeks ago where the, the man heard God say, or Charles Capps heard God say, who told you it's not working? Well, who told you it's not working? Just you? Well, I said it one time. I said it five times. Well, guess what? God's not trying to make himself believe it. He's trying to help you believe it. And when you really believe it, when it moves from here to here, and you get in your faith seed, it's growing in there, and it can support birds, and it's stronger, and it's growing. You will know it because it'll be a tone to your. It'll be a tone to your seed. There'll be a tone to your words. That seed will be so filled with faith, it's going to change how you talk. It's going to change how you think. From this is impossible to like nothing's impossible. <laughs> it's not impossible. All things are possible if we believe. Amen. So I want to just challenge you guys with that today, to treat your faith like a seed. Um, And once you plant this seed in your heart and and confess it, believe it, that thing will grow 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. So guys, let's make sure we're speaking to faith seeds and not to weeds, amen, like I did. Make sure you're speaking to faith seeds because you're going to reap what you sow, but you're also going to reap what you say because you sow by your words. You sow by your words. So let's sow the right things. Amen. Amen. You guys stand. I want to pray a blessing on you guys. Jesus, we thank you for this lesson of faith. And I pray, God, you would take the quit out of every one of us. The perverted quit that we haven't seen what we prayed for, whether it's been a year, a month, two years, ten years, thirty years, whatever it's been. We haven't seen it, and we've come sometimes to agree with the perversion of this world and not the kingdom of god and god we want to come out of alignment with agreement with perverted things things that you didn't have in your heart that things aren't the original design and come into alignment with what you say god what your word says so lord i just pray right now you'd help each one here to remember and to sow your seed the word of god into our hearts That faith that comes by hearing will grow and grow and grow and we can speak out and do the things that you have called and anointed us to do. And God, we just thank you for your word. Just bless these people in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. Love you. You are dismissed. We can... um... If you are wanting to sign up for membership, we can, we can do that today. If you, if you guys all have time, just come see us. We can do it after service today. If you can, if not, we can wait till next week. So if you have time to take members today, we'll come at the back, we'll do it today. So